A real relationship is a wrestling match. It's a grappling, it's a grappling phenomena that you both emerge transformed from. And that's what people want. They don't want to push over. Not, not unless there's something wrong with them. Conflict avoided is conflict delayed and magnified. And so it was a cross-temperamental learning process for me. I had to learn to work against my temperament in order to engage in conflict that was necessary when it was necessary. You want someone, I think, in a relationship that you can spar with. And it's partly because you have hard problems to solve. And if the person that you're with isn't willing to put forward their opinion, then you only have half the cognitive power that you would otherwise have. You know, and hopefully you find someone who's interestingly different from you, like not so different that you can't communicate and you have to be careful of that, but interestingly different. And then hopefully they have the ability and the will to express their opinion. And then your interest stays heightened and there has to be that tension in a relationship. You know, people think, well, I, I want to get along perfectly with my partner. It's like, no, you, you probably don't. You just get bored and then you go looking for trouble. And so you want a little bit of trouble in the relationship and a little bit of mystery and a little bit of combativeness and, and the ability to exchange opinions forthrightly. And, and one of the rules was, and this has been a rule that Tammy and I have used in our whole relationship, is like, do not agree to something you don't agree to. Because the worst thing is, is you negotiate out a settlement and the person decides they're going to implement it, but really they're resentful about it because they didn't want to have any conflict and then they're crabby about it every time they do it and they do a terrible job and they're irritated about it and that lasts forever. If you can't run away, then you can solve your problems. Because it might be, okay, well, I'm stuck with you. So how about we fix things? Because the alternative is we're going to be in a boxing match for the next 40 years. That's the alternative. So, and you think you're going to fix problems without something like that hanging over your head? There isn't a chance. You'll just avoid them because that's what people do. I do believe that that spark that's outside of voluntary control is a necessary precondition for a long-lasting relationship. I do believe, though, that if it's there, you still have to work very hard to maintain it. You know, what do you want from a partner, fundamentally? What, what do you want and need? You're blessed with the fact that you find each other attractive, and I think it's very difficult for the relationship to begin or proceed or sustain itself without that. Well, you want someone that you can trust, you want someone that you can build a view of the future with, and you want someone that you can negotiate with. And that's very hard to negotiate with people because they have to tell you what they think, they have to know what they want or figure it out, they have to tell you what they want, they have to be satisfied when they get what they want, which is also a very difficult thing to manage. And you have to continually update that because your life goes through different stages. And people also don't understand because they tend to think that, that all romantic interaction should be spontaneous. It's like, well, if that's your theory, then you might as well just give up right now if you're gonna get married because that, like, the only reason you can think that is because you don't have enough responsibility to make romantic entanglement virtually impossible. And what happens when you're married, especially when you have little kids, is that and, and you both have a job, let's say, is you're so busy that the probability that you're going to find time for spontaneous mutual interaction is decreases to zero. <laughs> and so if that's what you're hoping for, then you're never gonna have it. And so what you have to do is you have to make time for each other. And when you're establishing a relationship, 
Well, you put some effort into it, you know, you, you decide that you're going to go out for dinner and you dress up to some degree and, you know, you try to present yourself to each other in some halfways mutually acceptable manner. But then people somehow think that once they're married that the same amount of effort isn't necessary and that's wrong. I would say more effort is necessary on the same front and, and you have to think it through. It's like, you know, if you don't want to be bitter about the intimate element of your relationship, how much time do you have to spend together each week? And my, my rule of thumb sort of derived from clinical observations is that you need to spend 90 minutes a week with your partner talking. And that means you're telling each other about your life and staying in touch, you know, so that you each know what the other is up to. And you're discussing what needs to be done to keep the household running smoothly. And you're laying out some mutually acceptable vision of how the next week or the next months are going to go together, right? So that, that keeps your narratives locked together like, a, like the strands in a rope. You need that for 90 minutes or you drift apart. And you need to spend intimate time together at least once a week and probably more like twice. And that has to be negotiated. And if you don't negotiate it, and if you don't make it a priority, then it won't happen in all likelihood. And then, well, well, then you don't have it. And that's a catastrophe because there's not that many things in life that are, you know, intrinsically, what would you say, engaging and meaningful and pleasurable and also bonding all of that. And if you let that go, then, well, part of you dies and part of the relationship dies. And if I offered everything I could to a partner, who would I be? You work on that. Ask that question. Just ask. Just ask yourself, okay, okay, what do they want? Clean. That's not a bad start. Reasonably good physical shape. So healthy, productive, generous, honest. The harder you work on offering other people what they need and want, the more people will line up to play with you. And so it's the wrong question. It's like, how can I be the best partner possible? And then you think, well, if I do that, people will just take advantage of me. And that's the non-naive objection, right? Because the naive person saying, well, I'll be good and everyone will treat me right. It's like the cynic says, no, I'll be good and someone will take me out. And then you think, well, what do you do about that objection? And the answer is, well, you factor that in. And that's why you're supposed to be, what is it? As soft as a dove and as wise as a serpent. It's like, I know you're full of snakes. I know it. Maybe I know it more than you do, but we'll play anyways. What's so cool about that is that even though the person you're dealing with is full of snakes, if you offer your hand in trust and it's real, you will evoke the best in them.